0: This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores
1: resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Hello, welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel, your host at Roar to win. Today, I have a really excellent guest for you. I don't know why I say that every single time, because every single one of my guests is just stellar. But today, Thank we you. have Angela Tanger. <laughs> We've had this discussion about how to pronounce her <laughs> name correctly. And Angela is called the Limitless Possibilities Coach. She's committed to helping wellness entrepreneurs, coaches, and holistic pr- practitioners become trusted experts in their niches. After spending 30 years as a corporate geek, Angela retired early to start her own wellness business, using her skills as a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, and information marketing copywriter. Because Angela is passionate about the art of transformation storytelling, she created her Signature Message Blueprint program, where she combines both her coaching and her copywriting skills. Angela helps her clients stand out from the competition by sharing the power of their personal story. Angela is the author of Marketing Health and Wellness, Her Way, How to Connect and Engage Women Buyers. Her Way is not your typical marketing book. Instead, it's an engaging compilation of stories from female marketing experts who reveal the 10 defining factors women use to determine their wellness buying decisions. Angela considers herself a lifelong learner, especially when it comes to self-development, spirituality, and personal transformation. She includes tools, tips, and techniques from a wide variety of modalities in her Limitless Possibilities coaching program. Angela's love for travel has allowed her to explore the diverse cultures of India, South Africa, Costa Rica, and Europe. Angela includes yoga and meditation as part of her daily ritual to help her remain centered and connected. And... Angela's got a gift for you, which is pretty cool. She'd like to gift you a copy of her storytelling guide, Monetize Your Expert Message, Share Your Story, Attract Your Dream Clients. And we'll give you the link to be able to download that at the end of the um, podcast. So stick around because it's <laughs> a very valuable gift. So, Angela, welcome. How are you today?
2: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. Well, thank you very much for for joining
1: us. So we're going to be talking about ROAR, which is resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. And I think as we had the conversation as to which one did you resonate with, you said all four. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I did Michelle, and um, <clears throat> I resonated so much with the word "roar" as well, and if you don 't mind, I would like to share why that you know made such an impact on me. No, I, have I love a that story i 'd love to share um, about a year ago. it was last September. I was out in Sedona, Arizona, and I was working with a holistic practitioner in some training a three day event and um, I was there with a couple of friends, and we made our way into a crystal store, as there are many in Sedona, and as we were looking around, um, this friend of mine pointed out these really exquisite dragons, and some of them had very female characteristics, and she said to me, you know, Angela, as a woman, she said, we all have a dragon inside of us that wants to roar, Uh and I had never heard that expressed that way, and I was like, oh, really? So... We went out on the Red Rocks and actually experimented with our own roars, you know, and that's just amplified that sound everywhere. Oh, awesome. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And before we left, we decided that we would each set an intention for what we wanted for the rest of the year. And mine was that, and it just, you know, it came to me again. It was one of those like inner knowings of being there in that beautiful space. And it was, I wanted to be happy, fulfilled, and satisfied. Uh-huh. And I have to say that I, I use that as an affirmation daily, and I really am finding myself happier than I think that I've ever been, so I have to attribute that to Roar Roaring oh. in Sedona. <laughs>
1: oh, that's awesome. I can just imagine just the energy that you were oh. able to just... It's really amazing. For those of you who are listening who have never tried it, you need to just stand feet firmly planted and let it come down from your toes and and don't constrict your throat. Leave your throat wide open and just roar and you will be astonished at the energy that that gives you. So I, I'm so pleased <laughs> that you shared that story. Thank you.
2: Oh, well, you're so welcome. And it's absolutely true. I mean, you totally get it. Yeah. (laughs) So so
1: that's really wonderful. So I thought it was kind of interesting in your bio, we were talking about that uh, you, you were a corporate geek, and yet you're a yoga teacher.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I tell you, (laughs) I come from all different areas. I've I've dabbled in a little of everything. And I just, again, IT was just something that I fell in. Um, I really enjoyed it. And um, it's kind of like putting the pieces of a puzzle together in the Mm -hmm. programming world, Mm -hmm. Um, also working in, um, you know, systems and stuff. So it was, yeah, it was just a totally different place. And then the yoga was something I took up while I was working as a way to de-stress from the corporate world. And so I started going to yoga classes and I really didn't intend initially to study and become a teacher. I just liked it so much. And and again, like being the lifelong learner, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just study yoga. And then the opportunity came up, um, the studio where I was taking the classes that my teacher left. And he said, hey, you know, like you've gotten your certification. Do you want to teach this class? And it just opened another really great door for me.
1: Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. So, uh, so you um you have not had the problem then of living in your head for most of your life have you or was there some point where you discovered that you had a body as well
2: i think it i yeah i definitely didn't start out with that body knowing the yoga really got me there
1: <laughs> yeah okay
2: yeah the geeky part was definitely in the head so
1: yeah well i'm uh, welcome to your body i'm glad that you you made that transition oh uh, as am i yeah as that's one of the things that, you know, when you use the word embodiment, people think, oh my goodness, that's so woo-woo, but it really isn't because it's it's firmly based in science. Um, yeah. and, we've, and we've been talking about, you know, body things for centuries. Like I have a gut feeling or mm-hmm. I'm heartbroken or what a pain in the neck or, you know, all of those those things we're always referring to our body parts. So um, how do you kind of, Take the the yoga and mix it in with your uh, copywriting and teaching clients about writing books.
2: Oh, great question! <clears throat> you know it's it's so cool because again, I just sort of fell into this, and and when I started working on um, this program. Over a year ago, I, ha- I was working with another practitioner who was much more into the woo-woo world, and, and I said, "Well, I'm going to teach them how to tap into their awesome selves, you know, to bring out the story." And she was like, well, will do a tapping exercise, you know, the real tapping yeah, thing." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh no, I can't do that, you know, that's that's a little too woo-woo." And then that's what I did when I finally like put the thing together. I'm like, "Oh, Robin was like so right. That was perfect." Uh-huh. And so I just kind of gradually you know realize that bringing body in and the resilience that the body has was really what would help people to overcome you know the fears they had of dealing with whatever story was really the most pertinent story and so it it took a while but but i have began to more and more be able to incorporate the body and all kinds of healing modalities with the body into the copywriting and and to get to a place to write people need movement. I mean, you, I mean, I've never been one of those that just sat down and just eloquently wrote for hours. I, you know, it's, it takes some getting into the energy and the body work is just perfect for that.
1: Yeah. So why did you select uh, wellness practitioners as the people that you were most interested in serving?
2: Again, another very good question, uh, and I <clears throat> I went all over the place. I left a corporate job. I had worked in the pharmaceutical industry, and I had thought, well, I'd seated myself and all of, you know, I mean, I had great references as far as pharmaceutical stuff. I even had like the directory and <clears throat> the journal and all these like really great. Um, Um, media pieces and magazines that I was still getting sent to my home. But it just wasn't me. And the more I did work on who my ideal client was, I realized it was someone like me that like to dabble in all the woo woo world. And that was <laughs> much, much more, the, you know, that was a much better person for me to serve than to try to package myself into something that really didn't resonate with me. And, and I think when you can resonate with your ideal client and they can resonate with you, then there's a lot more trust there.
1: Absolutely. If you if you're doing it just because you think you can make more money, yeah. then it's just you're not going to make it. So, uh, what are the most common types of struggles that your clients have when they begin working with you?
2: Um, most of my clients come to me struggling with self worth and money issues, and a lot of that comes from again the healer type of person who came into this world with some kind of gift to share and often people tend to believe or to impart to them that because it was a gift that they should gift it back and not get paid for it. Mm -hmm. And so they struggle with that whole, oh, I'm taking money for something that's a gift, you know, and something that I can do that other people can't do. And so we have to work through those issues and the limiting belief that you can have a legitimate business as some type of a healer. And it's yeah. perfectly okay to charge, but it does take some some work. And that's where, again, these tools that I've learned along the way come in so handy.
1: Yeah, it's really very interesting, isn't it? You wouldn't think for a moment of taking your car to a gifted mechanic and not paying there for it.
2: And, <laughs> Absolutely. And we,
1: and we all expect to go to a doctor and pay a bill. We expect to. And yet, when it comes to a true healer, Uh, Not saying Mm -hmm. that some doctors aren't true healers, uh, but when it comes to a true healer, they do because it is a gift, because it's something that comes naturally to them, because they are uh, given the. They either have empathy, intuition, all three, uh, you know, discernment, they have all of those things. Um, For some reason, because it's a gift from God or the universe, we don't put it in the same category as a gift that somebody mm-hmm. received because they studied really hard.
2: So Right. Oh, you're so spot on on that. Yeah.
1: So it's, it is, it's really, <laughs> I, I just think that's funny. And I use that a lot when I'm talking to people as like, well, wouldn't you expect to pay your doctor or your car mechanic? It's <laughs> like, yeah, we do. You know, so um, that's very interesting. So what type of transformation do they get from working with you?
2: A lot of it starts with owning personal power, um, learning to be accountable to themselves. And one of the things that that I have noticed is that often they'll come to me thinking that their problem or their issue is, you know, their business and not making money. And sometimes it can be something else. Um, One of my clients recently found out that when she was empowered enough to speak up, and talk to her partner and tell him what was going on in her life. Then when that area of her life came into <clears throat> Connection with you know the rest of things then her business started to work so it was being being vulnerable and really again building that resilience muscle mm-hmm. and, and Showing that you know that she was worthy of being an equal in the relationship and when she was able to do that then again her business just started to flourish
1: yeah it's really amazing how all of these things are so intertwined and for some reason in our heads we seem to say you know business is in this corner of the brain and personal life is in that corner of the brain and never the twain shall meet but they do all the time they're constantly running into each other so um what do your clients value most about working with you
2: one of the things um, <clears throat> that they have said to me is the fact that I'm being a lot more present, and people just relish being heard. <laughs> Excuse me. And oh, so, sure. So, so listening, being heard, um, offering them choices with um, the different tools that I have, and I also think that I um, I'm good at asking questions, helping them stay out of judgment, and um, not jumping into conclusion, but playing with questions, and then just the supportive, loving accountability, which is um, really what I think we all need.
1: Yeah. So tell me why, um, why are you called the Limitless Possibilities Coach?
2: Uh, um, well, for me... I love the idea of infinite possibilities and there being limitless possibilities. And I didn't grow up with that. But as I, again, went my own path of this whole holistic world and started studying like law of attraction and infinite possibilities and realized that there was such a bigger world than I had been exposed to growing up, I wanted to share that with um, with my clients and then allowing them to recognize their own limiting beliefs to be able to work through those limiting beliefs. I mean, there was a time in my life, Michelle, I didn't really even understand my own beliefs and you know, when people talked about beliefs, I thought that they mainly just re- re- you know revolved around like religion or something like that, but that mm-hmm. we really have core beliefs and we have these beliefs that just stop us dead in our tracks. And so the more I've worked through these different areas and I've been able to, you know, bring these things out and helping my clients develop more, you know, more optimism, again, building that resilience muscle, knowing that when they can be accountable, not only to themselves, but to someone else that's going to hold the space for them, that Mm -hmm. they can grow as people. And it's just so rewarding to watch that.
1: Yes. So you help people. um, So the Signature Message Blueprint program, you're combining coaching and copywriting skills. So Correct. So, are you coaching people to do copywriting, or what is it exactly the transformation is that they're looking for?
2: Mm. Well, what I help them do is um, I found that when um, you can be relatable to your ideal client, and that's what I help my clients do is, as a healer, as you know, a wellness coach, or holistic practitioner, the reason that they don't energetically connect is because they don't know how to say what they do. I mean, that's the biggest thing is like they, they'll go off on some weird modality and start taking them down some path. And people are like, they have no clue what they're talking about. So I really help them get clear on who they help, how they help them and how to express that. And then the, um, The coaching part is taking them through a lot of these modalities where they kind of unearth their own transformation story and Mm -hmm. then helping them write that story. So I'm combining the two that way with um, a lot of the exercises in the program are modalities that come from all the different resources and helping them learn that they have this tool, you know, this resource backpack, if you will, to carry with them so it helps them in uncovering their story, but it also helps them in their life. So they get their own transformation. And then when they can write that transformation and share it as their own hero's journey, they're so much more relatable. And then they start to um, be able to attract their ideal clients and they have a lot more credibility because I help them create um, an ebook and they can also get printed books, and so again, there's that credibility when they speak. When they have something that they can share that that's relatable and credible, and and it also has that you know that vulnerability piece. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, wonderful. So, um, what what are you looking for in your ideal client? What what the what value system do they have that you're looking for?
2: A lot of things that I look for are. I look for people that want transformation, um, people that trust is a big thing in in the relationship and it's trust in themselves and then trusting me to guide them and for me to be able to trust them to do the work. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Yeah, trust is huge.
2: And I also look for people that are action takers, um, people that are willing to... Sometimes go to some edgy places, and when you talk about transformation story, it's looking at your life and, and the path that you've traveled, and for a lot of us, there's been pain in that, mm-hmm. and, and that's where these tools come in, too, is, you know, they're tools that can help you um, deal with whatever it is, but then to be able to realize that you came, you know, you came out of it you became much more successful, you're a better human being because of it, and to share it not in a shameful way, but in a way that's healing and can bring healing to the people that they're intended to work with.
1: So what is your transformation story that they resonate with? What draws, what do you tell them that draws them to you?
2: Mm, Very good. Um, I share my own, you know, my own story, and I have been through multiple transformations. Um, part of it is um, uh, a very painful marriage to an alcoholic. And so um, I started my transformation with a 12-step program. I spent years in Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> that, that started me on the path to a much more spiritual life. I had a religious background, but not really a spiritual background. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what I got <clears throat> from Al-Anon. And then from there, I would I just kept being led to this person and that person and this modality and that modality. And over the course of probably 40 years now, I've tried on a lot of different hats, a lot of different modalities and they have, um, have all served their purpose at the time to bring me closer to what I consider source or spirit. And so that's part of the guidance that I can give as well.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I know that, um, sometimes when we, when we go down a path and we collect, uh, a skill. We've learned how to do something and we collect it and we think, this is what I'm going to do. And then we go a little further down and we go, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. So did you waste your time gaining no. all of that knowledge? You didn't. And do you no. find that? do you find that you go back, you reach back to all of those things that you've learned to bring forward for your client?
2: Absolutely. And, I, and I, there was a time when I struggled with my own business and getting started and <clears throat> I left the corporate job and it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. In fact, it was, you know, pretty stressful at times. But you know, now that I've come full circle, I realize how much I learned, how much personal growth and self-development. And so that's what I can, I can share with my clients. Um, and there was a time where I questioned some of it, but now it's just like they're all these, these wonderful tools. And different tools and different modalities resonate with different people, so it's nice to have different ones to share some of them, you know, on a more deeper spiritual level. And it just depends on where people are. And sometimes one thing will work for one person and something else will work for somebody else. And it's just, it really is, it's very refreshing to be able to have that resourcefulness and teach them and show them that they too can build their own set of resources and tools. And it, it makes life um, so much easier. It gives them the same resilience, you know, that I was able to build.
1: Right. So Um, why is it important for people to tell their stories?
2: I think it's what makes people relatable, Michelle. Um, I think, you know, often, one of the biggest questions people always ask is, well, where are you from? And and to me, it's just kind of like, well, does it really matter whether you came from the Midwest or the Northeast or, you know, whatever? Um, And I guess there's a connection there. But when you can share from the heart of where you've been, where your path has taken you, I think you're so much more relatable.
1: Yes, I I agree with you. And um, people are able to gain strength and inspiration and all sorts of things from listening to other people's stories. We are a storytelling, you know, I think humans just do that. And we used to be verbally, that we would mm. just speak to each other before writing. You know, there was, in every tribe, there was a, a storyteller t- or someone who kept the verbal histories alive, and they passed that down through generations. And I think that's sad that we've lost that.
2: So oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. It, it is when you look at indigenous tribes and all, there, there was the story, Mm-hmm. and i think that that was one of the things that i i found when i when i wrote my book is one of the the things that really resonated was i i didn't really know that's where i would go i was just kind of like interviewing people and I found that that I often didn't have to ask them but a few questions and then they would just take off and tell me these like beautiful stories and when I wrote their stories and showed them to them they were like oh wow you know so I thought well this is a pretty cool thing to do and again it's something that morphed into oh well I can help other people share their stories and write their stories and so it's become a, a big part of of what I do and how I can help people and and again use those different areas that I've worked in. So the copywriting and the coaching and, and all the self-development wasn't like for naught. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So
1: uh, you, you describe your coaching as live in the possibility coaching. What does that mean?
2: Well, I want people to realize that <clears throat> that they are not limited. Um, I, again, I think that from my own upbringing, I was up, I was brought up in a very limited mindset that life is this way, everything's black and white. I don't, I don't think my father knew that there was gray. You know, life was just black or white, and everything was the way it said it was, and um, and to. To start to experiment with all these different ideas and beliefs, and um, that the world was so much bigger, and um, and that there, you know, like belief and um, attracting what you wanted, and being able to put, you know, like energy out into the universe, and 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 be able to actually call it back in i thought was pretty phenomenal and so that's in you know, like one of the tools is um living in a more conscious way and actually accessing and working with that consciousness and so that's um that's where i see the the limitlessness or the infinite part of life that it's not you know you're not just going to walk to the edge of the earth and fall off that there is really <laughs> something so much bigger than we are and and a lot of people want, are willing to explore that not everyone but Mm -hmm. mostly the people that work with me are are willing to go to those edges and and look and see something much bigger and greater that's available to them. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you.
1: We're going to take a small break. This is Michelle Nagel, your host with Roar to Win. And our guest today is Angela Tander. And we will be back in a minute.
0: Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? Visit monetizemenow.com for details.
1: Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel, your host with Roar to Win. And today we are interviewing Angela Tan- Tanger. <laughs> Sorry, Angela. It's <That's> okay. <laughs> Uh, it's it's really really difficult to just kind of not get hung up on that I don't know if I would have done that had you not explained that some people just pronounce it any way they want to (laughs) Angela prefers to be called Angela Tanger right (laughs) (laughs) so Angela is has been talking about um, she's the limitless possibilities coach and she talks about um, telling your story and about uh, l- using t- that for copywriting, and and she helps wellness coaches and people like that to be able to reach their audience better. So, how have you grown as a person for be- from becoming an entrepreneur? I mean, it, it must have been kind of a scary thing to go from corporate world to entrepreneurship. But a lot of people seem to like to do that. So. How did
2: it work for you? Oh, it was a big struggle. Um, I thought that I had figured all the bases out because I knew how to do copywriting. I had, uh, I, I had really been planning and preparing for quite a while. I had studied yoga. I had become a yoga therapist. I had, you know, taken all these different classes. And again, I had been studying copywriting and felt confident that I could write, um, but getting out there and putting all those pieces together as an entrepreneur was much more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, and and I think also because I had been exploring so many different things, I wanted to do all of them and I didn't just want to be a copywriter. I realized that I wanted to be the full-blown entrepreneur, which meant you had to, um, you know, go into the geeky world and set up all these other things. And so there was just a lot to learn. And I... I went through exploring all those same uncharted territories that my clients are, you know, are struggling with. And it, and it wasn't just, um, you know, I had to face my own limiting beliefs. I had to, um, <clears throat> I don't look at it, you know, to me too, it's not like a past tense thing. It's like, it's still an ongoing learning process and growing process. Um, I had a lot of hurdles I had to face when I walked to that path. Um, I had my own vulnerability, my own lack of self-worth and self-confidence. And um, much like you, Michelle, I took that step and walked across a shards of broken glass with my mentor standing there holding up the word confidence. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I had to build that resilience, you know, and that find my own sense of optimism, even though it was difficult at times. I mean, sometimes I wanted to give up as well, but I I just kept going. And I I found that as an entrepreneur, you're going to fail. I failed miserably. Um, And one of the biggest failures I had was when I wrote my book, Marketing Health and Wellness Her Way. I had um, the people that I had interviewed, loved, like I said, me telling their stories and they were all on board and they were so excited about when the book was going to come out and they were going to help me promote it. But, you know, it takes a while to get a book published and printed and all the steps it takes. And so by the time the book came out, um, they were had moved on into, you know, other areas of their life. And I think one of the biggest um, problems that you know, that I had faced was I had not been accountable to the people and kept them on board with, well, I'm in this step now and I'm doing this and I'm writing the copy for the launch and blah, blah, blah. And I just expected them to still be there and they weren't. And so my initial launch was just a dismal failure. So that, you know, had me spinning out of control as well. So it took, um, you know, it took a lot of me being accountable, finding my own coach to be accountable to and, um again, building the you know that inner roar using those tools and just going, "I'm not going to give up i I think probably the one of the <clears throat> you know biggest things I had going for me was I just kept persevering and just kept going, "I'm not going to give up, I'm going to keep doing this. I know I meant to do this, um but just." trying different angles and, and dealing with the failure. And I, I had to look at that. I love what, you know, Einstein said. I didn't fail 10,000 times. I learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. So,
1: yes. yeah. yeah. And for those of you who are listening, when uh, Angela made reference to walking across glass, she was not speaking metaphorically. <laughs> uh, we actually did walk across a bed of broken glass in our bare feet. Um, toward our mentor who was holding the word that we had chosen. So you chose the word courage, did you say?
2: Confidence. Oh, confidence. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it was, uh, boy, that was an interesting experience for me to, I have fairly tough feet, but I know some people don't run around barefoot all the time like I do. So, uh, But even for me, it was, uh, I'm standing on these shards of glass. And, how is, how is telling your story, now we're going to go again to metaphor, how is telling your story <laughs> like like taking that next step onto broken glass? Oh, because yeah. stories are vulnerable.
2: Very vulnerable. <clears throat> and it is. It's like, it, again, it's walking that path. And you know anyone that thinks your path is going to be straight, I mean, you quickly learn, particularly if you step onto the entrepreneurial one, that it zigzags every which way. And it's just like, you you never know, like you have to keep testing the ground. And that's, you know, that was the little trick we learned stepping on that glass. You had to lightly put your foot down and sort of gauge how far you could go. And I think that that's what I've seen myself do is just keep pacing myself, um, being cautious. But again, knowing that I could be resilient and just keep, taking, you know, using what I had inside of me, those deep resources, that roar, that, you know, that dragon to keep building the confidence and the strength and the perseverance to keep making, you know, one step after another, even though at times the step was kind of edgy and it, there wasn't a clear path all the way. So it it took a lot of um, taking one step after another and uh, just feeling my way through. Mm-hmm
1: yeah wonderful so um so what hurdles did you face in your entrepreneurial journey you You mentioned some of them uh, as far as um, feeling <clears throat> like you know not not having the confidence to do it. some of the things that you thought were going to work possibly didn't work out. What was the biggest <clears throat> hurdle, and how did you overcome that?
2: I would say the biggest hurdle that I faced was, excuse me, was learning how to ask for what I needed. Um, Mm -hmm. I I came from, you know, again, you know, the geeky world, the IT world. And so I felt like I I knew how to do so many different things. And I had to just very often get out of my own way and stop trying to do everything and say, you know what, I need help with this. I'm going to just been out and do this forever and it's going to keep me from really doing the things that I do best in this role as an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. to hire somebody to do some of the IT stuff and to have somebody do some VA things and you know, to get help and to ask people for questions and say, I, I know, I see you've done this. Can you share with me how you did it? Instead of me trying to read another book or take another program or, you know, you just I just had to finally say, I'm gonna ask people that have traversed this path before me to help me versus me just doing it on my own. And I, I found a mentor and um so those kind of things were big steps with finding somebody else to hold my feet to the fire and be accountable so that I could really get the, the right things done instead of thinking that I needed to do every little nitpicky, you know, detail that, that is required for this kind of a business.
1: But you're so good at IT. It's what you did <laughs> in your corporate career. So that was that a hard one to give, give away?
2: Absolutely, um, <clears throat> it definitely was hard because I would think often, "Oh, I can do this, you know, I can do the website, I can do that, um, even though a lot of the things were different than what I had done you know in a corporate world, but I still felt like that I understood enough that I could do it, but it, it was it was a hard one that I had to say no, back off, put that down, and even just recently found myself doing it, setting up a blog, and it was like. I fought with it like, you know, like a whole weekend and it was like, this is crazy. You don't need to do this. Just pay somebody to set it up for you. And all you have to do is just write the post and put them out there and stop right. trying to mm-hmm. to build, you know, the infrastructure. That is not your role anymore. And so it's, it's still a challenge at times, but um, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's picking what you, what you can. And, you know, I feel like is, is the things that will, make the biggest impact.
1: Yes. um, Sandra Yancey, who's the CEO of eWomen Network, had me write out this thing that said, I promise to do only the things that only I can do. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because so so often we do, we think, um, I know how to do this. I can do this. I have these skills. I should do this because I need to have (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm the president or CEO or whatever of my company, and I need to have my fingers in all the pots. But we all have the exact same 24 hours in our day. And if we are spending all of that 24 hours, okay, I'm now here working on my website <clears throat> when I could have been doing something else, like actually talking to somebody who might pay me to do something. Right. Um, you know, it's like, is it an income production or is, it, um, or is it something that needs to be done? Yes, absolutely must be done. But do we have to be the ones to do it? So mm-hmm. that's always a, a really important question for people to ask. So what advice would you give to somebody who's contemplating becoming an entrepreneur?
2: I would say <clears throat> to really look at what you're good at. And to learn, you know, to learn, just like we were saying, don't try to take it all on to decide what you want to do, what your best skills are. And again, it's those skills that will monetize your business. And not, I mean, it's so easy to get caught up, particularly for those of you know people like me that are very creative. And many of us, as entrepreneurs, are creative and we love the creative stuff. But you can't sit behind a computer and create programs and write books and not go out and network and talk to people and not make yourself visible because with visibility is where profitability comes from. And that was again another hard lesson for me to learn you have to be seen, and it's not easy sometimes. Um, I think. That was part of the, you know, the real push to be an entrepreneur. Oh, I can just sit around and work in my pajamas all the time or sit around in yoga <laughs> pants and, you know, not have to go out and and you you just, I just realized I couldn't do that. I have to find that balance. And that's what I would say. You know, the sooner you can, <clears throat> excuse me, put something out <clears throat> into the world, even <clears throat> if it fails, that's how you're going to learn. And when you when you let people see your work and critique it, then you're going to know whether you're going to be successful with it. You're going to know whether that email worked, whether that social post worked, um, that program, that, <clears throat> that speech, whatever it is, you're going to figure out sooner rather than later that you're on to the right thing and so that you can just keep failing forward. Yes. And realize that failing is a part of it. It's not, it's not a bad thing in the entrepreneurial world. If you don't fail, they say, if you don't fail, you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so
1: um, in the world of healers, <clears throat> many healers are actually introverts. Yes. So how, how do you recommend that people work around that?
2: And that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm losing my voice. That's a hard one, Michelle, Um, but even as an introvert, um, just honor that you're an introvert and know that as an introvert, you have to go into your cave at times, but you just can't live in the cave. You have to, you know, put on your big girl pants and get out into the world pick up the phone, do those hard things, but then give yourself the self-care and the love and and be accountable to yourself and to someone else that, I'm going to make these calls. I'm going to do this. But then when my energy is zapped, because that's what happens to those of us who are introverts, then take self-care, you know, take some time. Um, sit back and be quiet and and find that space, that sacred space that you need, but then know that you have to be able to be visible and and whatever ways the visibility work for you. Because for each of us, we can do different things. You don't have to do every single thing. You don't have to go out and, you know, go to networking meetings all day, but you do have to find several paths to finding your ideal clients and Mm -hmm. pick the ones that are most palatable to you and do those.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I had a conversation with Jack Canfield, who's the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul Books as well as the author of The Success Principles. And um, I've always when I first met him he, of course, was standing up on stage. he gives talks, he travels all over the world to teach people and um, and I said, "I want to do what you do, but I'm an introvert." And he just looked at me and he said, "Well, so am I." And I I said, no, you're not. (laughs) And he said, yes, I am. He said, I am a situational extrovert. And Mm. I
2: thought
1: that that was... And then he explained it to me, the situational extrovert is an individual who, when the situation requires it, is able to be extroverted, is able to go out and have those conversations, those sales conversations that we need to have, mm-hmm. that um, is able to do networking, <clears throat> is able to do those kinds of things. But they also know that when they're done with that, they have to retreat into mm-hmm. their quiet, <clears throat> safe space so that they can regenerate and renew before they have to go out and do it again and i really appreciated that that you know because i i looked at, at him with such awe because i oh, really yes. would i would love to have the kind of business that he mm-hmm. has um and someday maybe i will because i've always said i want to be i want to be jack canfield so <laughs> <laughs> but i really appreciated his honesty in in saying you know i'm an introvert too mm-hmm. and as I got to know him more and spend more time with him, I actually mm-hmm. spent some time in his home with him and his uh, family at, a, a, um, at an event that was held at his home um, and got to meet his lovely wife. And it was very interesting because I was able to observe more a little bit of how that really works. He has an inner sanctum that he goes to, to just kind of retreat and it's a sacred space and he only invites few few people into that sacred space Mm. so it's it's really wonderful if we can um overcome this terror (laughs) of telling telling our story and of being seen and of being exposed and it sounds like through the work that you do with helping um, your, your healers <laughs> understand their vulnerabilities and their story, that you help them do that also. So now that's something that you might be able to just kind of let them know about as the situational extrovert kind of a thing.
2: I love that. I've never heard that term before, and I, I will definitely use it <laughs> and credit Jack for that. That's great. Yeah. So how has becoming an author helped you promote your business? You know, the thing about um, becoming an author, I think the biggest thing was, like I said, it was kind of an organic process. I had gone to a um, marketing to women conference, and I met all these really great women there. And I decided, well, I would just interview them. But I didn't really know where the interviews would go, and what, you know, amazing stories I would get out of these women. And I found that love for storytelling. And so the storytelling has been great for the program, the Signature Message Blueprint, I thoroughly enjoy helping people uncover their transformation story, but also it's I've been able to carry that over into my coaching, and as looking at that limitless possibility area, it's sometimes looking at the stories that we hang on to that maybe if we can reframe them, we can make some significant changes in our lives that will help us view life differently. And be able to, again, be more resilient, step out of a space of being a victim or whatever that, you know, wherever we've put ourselves because of repeating that same old story. So uh, I just think the power of story is so um, incredible in, you know, many different ways.
1: Yes. If, if we have, if we're able to be vulnerable enough to share our stories, we're able to make that connection with people because I don't know about you, but if somebody just walks right up to me and says, hi, nice to meet you. Would you like to buy my thing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it just makes it really kind of challenging.
2: Yeah. It's definitely a turnoff. You have to have to play that dating game a bit, you know, with people and, and let them get to know you and see who you are. And if you're really a fit to work together.
1: Right. Exactly. So you've got, you have a gift for us, which is a copy of your storytelling guide. Uh, monetize your expert message, share your story, attract your dream clients. Can you tell us how we can get that?
2: Absolutely, Michelle. You can go to my website, which is AngelaTanger.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-A-T-A-N-G-E-R.com. And just scroll down and you'll see the book and um, just click on, uh, get your copy now. And I would love to share it with you. We've got some great ideas for storytelling and how to unearth your own story.
1: Yeah, I I just had a thought. Um, Do you address the too much information kind of story?
2: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, we just I I encourage people to just get it all out there, and then we break it down into basically like a hero's journey. So it's you know boom 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 because you you can't overwhelm people with. the whole saga (laughs) you just have to find the the you know the real punch points that are going to matter and that are going to be the kind of the story and the emphasis that's really going to grab people's attention
1: yes i just recently sat in a place where a a woman started out telling her story and it was fine until she just kept going and and it wasn't that she was talking too long it was just that there were certain things i just didn't
2: need to know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we de- we definitely look at those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and when you get to the point of where you're you're just you know, if you tell that stuff, it's it's actually a violation of the other person. It's a mm. violation of their space. Yeah. And so, you know, telling your story is is one thing. There are important things that need to be said, but you can say them without shocking, offending, or you know, mm. any of those other things. Anybody else who might be listening to it, so. Um, so you've given us the, uh, link to where we can get the download of your book. Is mm-hmm. there any other way that our people can connect with you?
2: Yes, you can all, <clears throat> excuse me, also email me at Angela at AngelaTanger.com.
1: Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us, Angela. I really appreciate it. And to re- recap, this is Angela Tander, who is uh, committed to helping wellness entrepreneurs, coaches, and holistic practitioners become trusted, trusted experts in their niches. She's called the Limitless Possibilities Coach. And thank you so much, Angela, for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Michelle. It was my honor.
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win.
0: Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.